Uh, Todd, thank you for praying us in. Appreciate you, brother. Um, we are going to be in the book of Deuteronomy, and uh, and we get to to see a passage that I got to spend some time in this week, and I'm thankful for it because God absolutely spoke to me through it, and I, I pray that he speaks to you as well this morning. Whether this is something that you haven't heard before, or whether it's just a reminder of something that, that you need, the Lord is faithful to remind us. So we're going to be in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 17, verses 8 through 13 primarily. That'll be our, our uh, verses that we're going over. So this morning, we are going to get a reminder for the presumptuous. And uh, please pay attention. I'm not calling anyone here presumptuous. But, uh, but maybe you are, and I know I've been at times in my life, so let's, let's, uh, let's pay attention to what the Lord has to say about it. So to give you guys a little bit of context about where we're going to be this morning, where we are going to read in the book of Deuteronomy, at this point in history, uh, this, is, this is the fifth book of our Old Testament, okay? This is the last of the five books that make up the Pentateuch, which is commonly referred to as the the law of Moses. This book records the words which Moses spake to the people that God gave to him. Okay, and so this, it opens, the book opens in chapter 1 talking about these are the words that Moses spake to the children of Israel. And what's going on here is that leading up to this point, Israel had been led out of Egypt. They were in, in bondage in Egypt they were slaves in Egypt, and, and they were led out of Egypt at this point. Uh, God used his servant Moses to lead them. and They were going through the wilderness as they were on their way to the promised land that God had promised their forefathers, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And this promised land that they were going to, they were eventually going to get there, but on their way they were going through the wilderness. They spent 40 years in the wilderness, and uh, as we know in the Bible, the number 40, it represents testing. So as the children of Israel were getting tested, as they were brought out of Egypt, you know, what happened in that very first generation that came out and actually was starting to go through the wilderness is during their testing, they failed. Um, they, they complained. They were not obedient to what the Lord had said. And so by this point, when we get to Deuteronomy, um, what's, what's happening is this is actually the second generation. This is the next generation. These are the people's kids, right, that are now at the point where they're old enough to, to be understanding these things, and they've heard the stories from their parents, and they've heard about the Lord, and so what Moses is doing is reminding them. And the beginning of, of Deuteronomy, he's reminding the children that, that need to hear the law again. They need to hear about what their parents went through again. They need to hear about what the Lord has done again, right? And so we've got this re-giving of the law, which essentially was already given in Exodus, so we've got this new generation that's getting ready to take over, or not take over, but yeah, we'll take over, and uh, go into the promised land. Now, they haven't got there yet, but Moses is still their leader, and he's been commanded to tell them what they're going to do when they get there and remind them of where they came from. So uh, essentially, you know, they were, they were getting reminders of what happened in their past and getting told, again, what to do in their future. When you get to this land, these are the things that you need to remember. These are the things that are going to be important. And he points out just how important it is to God about the things that he's talking to them. So when we get to chapter 17 and verse 8, um, at this point, this section is talking about judgment. And so we're going to read through this, and uh, 
We're actually going to need a little bit of water before that. But we're going to read through this section real quick and then break it down and, and see what the Lord has for us. Bear with me just one moment. Okay, so Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 8 through 13. If there arise a matter too hard for thee in judgment, between blood and blood, between plea and plea, and between stroke and stroke, being matters of controversy within thy gates, then shall thou arise and get thee up into the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. And thou shalt come unto the priests, the Levites, and unto the judgment that shall be done in those days, and inquire, and they shall show thee the sentence of judgment. And thou shalt do according to the sentence, which day of the place, which the Lord shall choose, shall show thee, and thou shalt observe to do according to all that they inform thee, according to the sentence of the law, which they shall teach thee, and according to the judgment, which they shall teach thee, or I'm sorry, tell thee, thou shalt do. Thou shalt not decline from the sentence, which they shall show thee, to the right hand, nor to the left. The man that will do presumptuously, and will not hearken unto the priest that standeth to minister there before the Lord thy God, or unto the judge, even that man shall die. And thou shalt put away the evil from Israel, and all the people shall hear and fear, and do no more presumptuously. So, just a quick reminder, the Old Testament, for us, is a great picture book of of things that we're going to see in the New Testament, and although we don't follow all the laws that the nation of Israel had to follow, um, man, we can definitely learn from them, and from reading a passage like this, we can definitely glean some things about what God thinks. So we're going to start off in verse 8. So when we have matters that are too hard for us, it starts off, if there arise a matter too hard for thee in judgment. Today, when we have matters that are too hard for us to deal with on our own, too hard to judge on our own, where do we turn? And this is a question for you guys. You can yell it out if anybody knows the answer. Lord, Jesus, there it is. That's always the right answer. It's always the right answer, right? So yes, we turn to the Lord. We turn to Jesus when things are too hard. And uh, where is Jesus actually seen? Where, where can we find out what Jesus, our Lord, says Lord God, Bible, there it is, there it is, man, you guys, you guys are great, thank you, uh, so yes, the Bible, so here we are, Old Testament, they're saying, if there arise a matter that is too hard in judgment, anything dispute that needs to be settled between the people, that they were to arise and go to the place which the Lord shall choose, so if they had any problems that were, that were too great, and when they talk about between blood and blood, between plea and plea, you know, these are Strifes. These are things that the people would have between them, um, even between stroke and stroke, which would be like plagues and, and, and sores and things. So like if someone had leprosy or something, you know, you would go and find out what does the Lord command about those that have leprosy, okay? And so, you know, any matter that's within your gates, whether it's in your community, your home, whatever it is, you know, these people would go and seek the counsel from the judge and from the place that the Lord would appoint, and it's it's interesting there. The end of verse eight that it says, "The place which the Lord, or I'm sorry, the Lord thy God shall choose." Right. So if the Lord's choosing the place, well then, uh, you know, it's a place where He's going to be. Right. It's a place where He's about that business. So we definitely want to go to that place. So we have today, obviously, the Bible, and we can see what Jesus, our Lord, has to say about the matters that may be too great for us 
to, uh, to resolve on our own. So as we move into, into verse 9 here, it says, Thou shalt come unto the priests, the Levites. Now the priests, the Levites, were men that were set aside by God. They were, they were men that were to preserve, to transcribe, and interpret the law for the people. So they were basically ministers and teachers of the Word of God, much like our, our pastors are today, right? They're, they're ministers and, and teachers of the Word, and, and they had knowledge of God's Word, and so these were the ones that they wanted to go to, and they had judges as well. It says, to the judge that shall be in those days. So these are men that were appointed, you know, they were set aside by the Lord. The judges, they're the ones who execute judgment, pronounce the sentence, whether it's for or against someone. And when they would go then, you know, to this, this judge and get their judgment, you know, they had to listen to that. But I think what's cool here is that in verse uh, 9 that we see when it talks about the judge, we see Christ revealed as the righteous judge, the ultimate one who judges us, right? In uh, Romans ten fourteen, it tells us, But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Right? So we know that for believers in Christ, we will stand before the judgment seat, give it an account for everything that we've done uh, in our lives and service to the Lord. And for those who are not saved, there is a great white throne as well. And, and guess who's judging there? None other than Jesus. So we've, we've got Jesus, the ultimate judge, right? So it's cool. This is how Christ is revealed here in the Old Testament. And, and actually, Christ is revealed throughout all of Scripture, which I find amazing. As we read through our Old Testament, um, man, the late, great Mark Trotter, his uh, 52 Weeks of Pursuit book, Every section that you go through to study in there, and it, you know, all the Old Testament from, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, you can see Christ revealed, and he always has that section there where it shows where Christ is revealed in that section of reading. I think it's awesome to point out to us because ultimately the whole Bible is about Jesus, right? And, uh, you know, John 5:46, Moses, um, I'm sorry, speaking about the words that Moses wrote, Jesus tells the people that for you, ye had believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. So we're looking at Moses' writing here in Deuteronomy, and he's literally writing about Jesus. Uh, it doesn't say the word Jesus, but, but we, can, we can get that knowledge now because we have the New Testament as well, right? So just a super cool picture. Anyway, so we're to go and inquire, all right? The people would, would go, they would inquire, which is to, to basically be in pursuit of, to search out, to seek, to ask for what the answer was, and we were looking at the sentence of judgment there. It says that they were to, to show thee the sentence of judgment at the end of verse 9. So this, uh, this sentence of judgment, it is the law. It's the rules. It's the, the, the judgment that will be given to the people. And again, going to the judgments. I'm going to the judges, I'm sorry, and the priests, the Levites for that. So, ultimately, guys, the whole point of this is that we are seeking God's word, right? And his judgment based on the issues that we have because it is the highest authority that we have. And if you think about the authority structure here, this is definitely something that, that Moses understood. This is something that we can understand, you know, pictured like our judicial system. You know, we have city judges and state judges and, you know, judges that are in the Supreme Court and then the ultimate judge, our Lord Jesus Christ, right? And it just keeps going up. But that ultimate judge, the one at the very top, all judgment is passed down from him. 
and for the, from the ultimate judge. If we look in Deuteronomy 1, beginning of this book here, verse 16 and 17, it says, uh, this is Moses speaking to the children of Israel here, and I charged your judges at that time, saying, Hear the causes between your brethren, and judge righteously between every man and his brother, and the stranger that is with him. Ye shall not respect persons and judgment, but ye shall hear the small as well as the great. Ye shall not be afraid of the face of man, for the judgment is God's, and the cause that is too hard for you, bring it unto me, and I will hear it. So he had appointed some judges on like a lower level, you know, some judges that could help to, to hear out the matters of the people that were not so, you know, great that they needed to bring it before Moses or before a, a larger council, so small strifes between the people, right? But if it was something that was too big, Moses said, bring it to me. And why? Because he had the word of the Lord. He had the counsel of the Lord. He had the commandments. He knew how God would handle it, and ultimately we wanted to go to that higher authority for that. So, as we get into verses 10 and 11, we're going to see just how serious God is about what he says. You know, what's awesome is that the Lord does not make people wait on what he has to say. They have access to it. Here in the Old Testament, we're going to see that they had access to the place where they could go and get the answers they needed. And we have access to those answers as well. Where might that be? The Bible. Man, you guys are awake. That's awesome. So, yes, so we have access to the same thing that the, the children of Israel did as well. So verse 10 says, Thou shalt do according to the sentence which they of that place which the Lord shall choose shall show thee, and thou shalt observe to do according to all that they inform thee. So in verse 10 there, we're going to start to see this, this repeated, Thou shalt do according to the sentence. So do what you're told, Okay. And he goes on to say that, you know, the Lord chooses that place again. That's awesome. The Lord will be there. But he goes on again to say, observe to do. So, in case you didn't pick up on that the first time, be obedient. Do what I said. Verse 11, according to the sentence of the law, which they shall teach thee, and according to the judgment, which they shall tell thee, thou shalt do. There it is a third time. Just in case you didn't catch it the first two. And... Then it goes on to say, thou shalt not decline. Well, if you're not going to decline from what they tell you, well, you need to do it. So there it is a fourth time, just in case you didn't catch it the first three. And I think it's really cool how they word it. It's worded, which, thou sh which they shall show thee, to the right hand nor to the left. So do not choose to go to the right or to the left. I think that this is right for you guys, right? This is my left, but you're, you're right. But don't, when the Lord tells you, go this way, we're not going to the right or to the left, right? He says, no, stay on the straight path. Do what I told you to do. Don't veer from the commandment that you were given. Don't veer from that judgment that you were given. When you hear the judge say, do this, and these are my commandments that I had given them, do that, right? So we see over and over again, he's serious about what he said. He doesn't want them to veer. He doesn't want them to, to go another way. And he also repeats over and over again, to be obedient, right? Do what you're told. It's pretty clear, right? So, as we, uh, as we jump into the verse 12 here, um, near the end, so we, we're going to see now just what God thinks about presumptuous people, okay? Um, verse 12 says, And the man that will do presumptuously, we look at that word presumptuously, that really stood out to me. Um, presumptuous people, 
and doing something presumptuous. This is, this is to be insolent, to be proud, to deal proudly. This is to act rebelliously, uh, to be arrogant, basically, okay? And, and the, the root word of this, uh, this word presumptuously is to presume, right? Presume being, you know, something that we suppose is the cause based on probability. So you're assuming, you're thinking, you're guessing, maybe. Um, so those that will do presumptuously, those are the ones that are going to just maybe hear the truth or hear something that's not the truth and just kind of assume that they know what's going on. Or maybe they're going to be proud and say, no, that's not what it is. You know, whatever judgment you just gave me, I, I think it's something else. Maybe they'll act rebellious and, and not listen to what the Lord is saying. And so what it says there is that the man that will do presumptuously and will not hearken unto the priest that standeth to minister before the Lord thy God, or unto the judge. Now, that word hearken there is, uh, it just means to, to hear intelligently, to give ear, to be obedient. Okay, so if you're not going to be obedient to what the Lord said, if you're going to be presumptuous in your ways, it says that man, even that man shall die. God's serious about what he, what he says and, and what he expects us to do with what he says, right? Now, reminder, again, guys, this is the Old Testament. This is not how it works now for us. Praise the Lord, we're in the age of grace. The Lord has a lot of grace with us and a lot of patience and a lot of mercy. But man, the point of having someone die for not following what the Lord said back then, we're going to see in just a minute. But man, that's, that's, pretty, uh, that's pretty brutal, right? You get a judgment and you don't follow it and you get killed. So well, let's look at the danger of being presumptuous. If we look back to the book of Numbers in, in uh, chapter 15, verses 30 through 31, it says, But the soul that doeth aught presumptuously, whether he is born in the land or a stranger, the same reproached the Lord, and that soul shall be cut off from among his people, because he hath despised the word of the Lord and hath broken his commandment, that soul shall be or shall utterly be cut off. His iniquity shall be upon him. So the Lord is willing to cut off their soul from among the people if they were to act presumptuously. That's that's pretty intense, guys. So clearly, we can see that God is serious about what he says. We can clearly see what he thinks about people being presumptuous, acting rebellious, or just thinking that they know what it is without actually knowing the truth, or else just going completely against it, right? To presume that we know. And what we see as chapter 12 ends here, it says, and thou shalt put away evil from Israel. This is how God views being presumptuous and not hearkening unto his judgment and his words, his commands. It is evil in his sight. I don't know if you knew that, but that was, that was a big eye-opener for me. So the goal here is to put away evil from Israel. And Israel in the Old Testament does represent those who are currently saved now. Just like the people of Israel were rescued from Egypt and got to have a promised land, the Lord has rescued our souls as well. If you've called upon the name of the Lord and you are saved, then ultimately you've been brought out as well. And you, just like the children of Israel here, got to inherit this promised land. We'll talk about that here in a minute, but guys, remember when we were just last week in the book of Colossians, Kenny was talking to us uh, in Colossians 3 verses 5 
through 8, 5 through 9, uh, about mortifying and putting these things off from our flesh, right? The, the things of, of this earth that we are to, to kill those things. And I think it's interesting that in the Old Testament, they were to kill the people that were presumptuous um, and to kill those things that were evil in God's sight. And we're told in our New Testament to, to mortify, to put off, to kill these things in our flesh that would stop us from following what the Lord has said as well, right? That would stop us from, from hearkening unto the Lord. And so I just want to put you in remembrance of that because the thing is, is that although we may not physically be killed here because of our not hearkening to what the Lord has said, our Father does discipline us. Hebrews 12, 6 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. So the Lord's serious about what he says, and he still expects us as New Testament believers today to listen to what he says. And if we don't, and if we want to be rebellious to that, if we want to be presumptuous about God's word, man, he'll deal with us. I guarantee you he's dealt with me, and he's very well may have dealt with you as well. So, so here's the thing. Here's the result of all of this. By the time we get to verse 13, we see the result of this righteous judgment. Verse 13 says, And all the people shall hear and fear and do no more presumptuously. This is the result of the righteous judgment, of sound doctrine that the people would hear, of the word of God. And so what we've got here is, you know, how people are going to respond when they see someone getting killed for being presumptuous, for not listening, right? If you saw that, you, you might straighten up real quick. You know, oh, well, that guy just got killed for not listening. I'll go ahead and listen. Sure, Lord, whatever you say, you know. But, but man, think about this, guys. We have so much false doctrine in the world today, and, and there's plenty of, of false things that we can offer. There's plenty of, plenty of areas to be presumptuous. There's plenty of people that are presumptuous about God's word and who don't hearken unto those words and, and really take time to be diligent and study it out. And we can see that, that God does warn us of that, people who would turn to the right or to the left of what he says. Colossians 2, verses 4 through 8, we've studied this out previously here, and discussing those who would be beguiled with enticing words. So whether you know or don't know what God said, you know, man had something to say, and oh man, we're just, we're going to follow after them, what they said, that made more sense to us, that men spoil us through their philosophy and vain deceit after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 tell us about those who will not endure sound doctrine in the end times, but after their own lust they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they'll turn their ears from the truth, and it shall be turned unto fables. So we can see that there will be people who will, will veer to the right or to the left, right? We'll see that there are people that will be presumptuous about God's word, and we're warned of it. But when, but when people see that righteous judgment, when we actually see the righteous judgment of the Lord and what he has to say about something, man, that should bring us to a point of hearing correctly the word of God. And then the next point there in fear, okay, so the fear is to have that, that deeper respect, that reverence for God that we should have. He is the righteous judge. We should respect him, right? And ultimately, to do no more presumptuously. So that would... That would put a stop to those who may even be considering being presumptuous. And so, 
So here we are, you know, we're talking about presumptuous, and it may be difficult at times to know if we're being presumptuous. I had to think about this for myself. Oops, sorry about that. I had to think about it for myself. You know, am I, am I ever presumptuous? I think so. A good way to check if you're being presumptuous is to, to check what you think what, about whatever situation against the Word of God. What does the Word of God say versus what I say or what I'm thinking, right? What does God think about this versus what I think? And maybe we could be even be presumptuous, you know, with our brothers and sisters. We may think that they know about, you know, we think they know what they're thinking or whatever they said, we interpret it to be a certain thing. And, and maybe we're even upset with somebody about what they said or what they did. Or maybe because someone walked by us and didn't smile or wave, we're just like, well, they must hate me, you know. So whatever, forget that guy. It's being presumptuous, man. Maybe they're just having a bad day. Maybe they got a lot on their mind. Maybe they didn't even mean to do that, right? We could be presumptuous. We could be presumptuous with even our leaders and presume things about them and assume that we, we know the facts about the reasons why our, our leaders do certain things that they do, and we really don't actually know exactly what it is, the facts behind what they're doing and, and what they know and what they are told. So we can't be presumptuous when we don't have all that information. We get in, in trouble when we assume things about people. And then, you know, even, even in our marriage, you know, with my spouse, I've definitely been presumptuous about thinking I knew what she was doing or understood the thing that she had said to me and, and maybe it upset me because I thought she was trying to tell me something differently instead of going to her and saying, hey, what did you really mean by this? And seeking out that, that actual correct answer, seeking out that the sentence that she actually said, I, instead I'll just go and, and presume and get upset. And I mean, it, it's easy, guys. You know, we, we, we all could be guilty of this and you know, even just presuming that we know what's going on in our lives, you know, we think we're in control sometimes, and, and man, we do act rebellious sometimes, even when we do hear what we're supposed to do, and, and that happens, guys. But th- I'm just here to, to give you a reminder today. This is a reminder for the presumptuous, and so, again, we could all be guilty of it, but as, as I was preparing this message this week, it was really hard to focus. There was a lot of stuff going on. Um, Praise the Lord, my brother-in-law just got married yesterday. It was a beautiful wedding, and uh, man, go Carlos and Sarah. So, man, I, uh, I got to be in the wedding, and so therefore I had to be there for all the stuff that happened, and it was, it was an absolute honor, but it didn't take a lot of our time, right? And so I was distracted with that, and, and we had our Bible study, and wanted to make sure I did that well, and, and so I'm getting prepared for all these other things, and it, and it turns out that uh, I, was just, I was staying busy, man. I, I even had a point where... I thought my car was going to die because it was running out of oil, and I'm like, all right, cool, here we go. You know, I'm supposed to be preparing this message, but now my car is going to die, and, uh, and that was a sad day, but thank God I, I got the reminder from my, my faithful disciple, Larry Smith, who said, hey, you're just, you're just getting attacked, bro. It's just, these are just normal things that are going to happen because you're trying to prepare a message, and and uh, you're trying to do the work for the Lord, so just, just keep at it, man. Keep at it. Don't, don't let these things get you down. And it turns out my car was fine and everything else worked out. And, and somehow the Lord was in control of it all. Isn't that amazing? It was awesome. I actually didn't have to do anything. It just God worked it all out. And so it's great, man. Uh, I was reminded I, uh, when I went back to, to think about this of verses like Ephesians 6.12 that tells us, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness, against spiritual weakness in high places. And then I'm like, yeah, that's right. That's what we wrestle against. I'm not wrestling against all these other things. I am busy, but that's not the issue, right? 
And then I remember the verses that, that follow Ephesians 6.12 and Ephesians 13, or 6.13-20. through 20, There we see about putting on the armor of God and to pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, right? And so, so I get those reminders, and I'm like, okay, God, thank you. Thank you for that, that righteous judgment. Thank you for the, the truth that you told me, that sentence that I needed to hear, and then keep going, right? So, you know, the people of Israel, they got reminders of the law and the commandments and the judgments, and God is faithful to remind us, guys. That's the thing. God is so faithful to remind us, whether it's directly from his word while we're reading it, or whether he uses a brother or sister or a pastor or someone to remind us of the things that we need to be in remembrance of, we get that, right? And it's awesome, man. And you see, actually, it's, it's, it's cool the word remember appears 210 times in our Bible, remembrance 51 times, and many of those times it's actually talking about what God remembers, and those are his promises to us, because God doesn't ever forget those things, right? So that's awesome. Praise the Lord for that. But, you know, I'm so thankful because I need daily reminders, guys. I need the daily reminders of God's grace and, and his abilities, not mine, right? And a reminder to die to myself in my marriage so that I can love my wife properly and, and serve the Lord together with her, right? I was even reminded just at the wedding yesterday, you know, Will Mata brought the word, man, and just talked to us about how important it is that a husband and a wife serve the Lord together. Like, you're getting married so you can actually be better for ministry, that was a great reminder. And as I'm standing there listening to that, I'm like, man, praise the Lord for my wife. You know, she helps me in ministry. She helps me with these things. I'm so thankful for that. I couldn't do it without her. So praise the Lord. Um, but man, just all these, all these reminders that we get. And I, I think another thing is interesting that, you know, how many times the word sin appears in our Bible? It's over a thousand times, guys. So maybe that's an issue that we need to be reminded of. Maybe that's something that we need to be in remembrance of. So no matter where we're reading in God's word, we can be reminded of that as well. God is faithful to remind us. So as we remember what the Lord has said, and we, have, uh, we also get understanding about that. There's examples of that in our, in our Bible. And so, you know, even something just as, as simple as like the, the reminder emails that I'll send out midweek to say, hey, remember what we talked about on Sunday? And we need that, because how easy is it to walk out of a Sunday service and whatever we just heard, oh, man, that was a great message, that was a great word from the Lord. And then we get in the car and we start driving and we immediately start thinking about something else. Oh, we got all this other stuff to do, these errands to run, whatever needs to be done, and we forget very quickly. So it's good to be reminded. I hope those are, those are good for you guys. Ultimately, if nobody else gets anything from them, I do, because I definitely need those reminders, and it's good for me to sit down with my notes that I took on Sunday and say, what, what did I actually learn from the Lord? And meditate on that more, because maybe God even has more to show you that you didn't get from Sunday. So, final thought here, guys. You know, we're in the same spot as the children of Israel were, and we're remembered that, you know, these things that they were told to remember when they got into the promised land. Well, guys, if you're saved, you are in the promised land already. I know physically, it doesn't seem like that, because, you know, I don't know if you guys noticed, but this land that we're in right now is not flowing with milk and honey like the Bible describes the promised land. However, spiritually, we are in the promised land. Spiritually, we as born-again Christians, you know, Ephesians 2.6 tells us that he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So in Christ Jesus, we are actually seated in heavenly places right now blows my mind. I can't wrap it around that concept, but that is what the Word of God tells us. That's the promise that we have. And so, 
we're going to be with the Lord for eternity at that point. So even when we physically pass on from here, we get to be with the Lord for eternity in that promised land that we have. And so we have things to remember, because as we're here, you know, God didn't save us so that we could be presumptuous about what we do and we could just do whatever we want. We aren't here to be presumptuous about what God said. He gave us his word. He tells us things to do, and we need to listen. We need to be obedient to that. So to those that are saved, let us not be presumptuous about what God told us to do. We're to remember that the Lord Jesus Christ died for us, and that he told us to do certain things, and that we could tell others also, right? So verses like Matthew 28, 19 through 20, which is the, the Great Commission, they were to go ye therefore teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe unto all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Jesus tells us, this is what you're going to do now. Now that I've come, and I've died for your sins, and I've taken care of all that penalty and the judgment, the righteous judgment of God, here's what you need to focus on now, right? 2 Timothy 2, 2. You know, our discipleship verse, man, these things thou hast heard among me, or I'm sorry, heard of me. Okay, let me start over again. And the things that thou hast heard of, my, of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Um, clearly, I need to go back and work on my memory verses. Uh, but either way, these are the things that we are to be remembering, and that we are to pass them on to other people as well. And 2 Corinthians 5.18 tells us, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. We are in the ministry of reconciliation. That's our ministry. Remember that. And this is, this is something that's easy to forget in the busyness of life, right? So, so we've got things to remember, but maybe, maybe, you're not, maybe you're not saved. Maybe you are a lost soul. But we cannot be presumptuous about our salvation either, okay? Because here's the thing. If, if we just presume that we're saved and we presume, hey, I'm good, you know, I'm a good person, so therefore I'm getting into heaven. God's cool with me. We're good. I did enough good things or whatever. I'm going to be presumptuous about that. But what does the Bible actually say about that, right? What does God actually say? What does that sentence of the law say about that? Well, luckily the Bible says a lot about that. So 1 John 5.13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So you may know. It doesn't say, These things have I written unto you, that you may be presumptuous about what God has said, and hopefully you'll get to be in his good graces. No, it says that you can know. The problem is, is that we are all sinners. Romans 3.23 uh, tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have. We were born into that sin nature that started back with Adam and Eve, and, and man, we were born into that. We've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark. And the penalty for that, Romans 6.23 tells us, is the wages of sin is death. It's eternal separation from our Lord. So, the solution? Does anybody know the solution? Jesus! Man, you guys are good. So Jesus, he's the solution. It was through what Jesus did, by coming here and, and actually living the perfect sinless life that we could not, dying for our sins, allowing God to take out the wrath of all of our sins upon him, he died and was buried, and three days later rose again. Romans 5.8 tells us, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 Timothy 2.5 tells us, 
For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. It is only Jesus. He is the only way. John 14, 6, Jesus himself said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So he's the way. And the promise of the Bible is in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So that, that's the promise, that you're saved through your faith. And Romans 10, 9 explains it this way, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's a promise. So that's what, that's what the Word of God says about it. That is what that law is. That is what that sentence is that we need to hear, right? That, that righteous judgment. So, so I've got some key questions for you as we wrap this up here. Are we being presumptuous? Based on what we just went over today in, in Deuteronomy, you know, do we seek what the righteous judge tells us to do, and, and do we decide to be obedient to what he says? Are we seeking that thing? You know, I can tell you that men like Mark Trotter, man, I'm so grateful for that guy. Man, that guy went through such great lengths to know God's word, to know what the judgment actually was. Because he didn't want to be presumptuous and stand before everyone and say, hey, God, I think God's, all right, guys, I think God's saying this, right? And, and, and try to teach us something presumptuously or live his life presumptuously, man. What a great example that we have. So many pastors that we have here, man, we're, we're so blessed. And Sam, Kenny, and, and Will, and Brandon, and all these men that, that do diligently seek what the Lord says and, and then take time to tell us and help to us to understand. And we have access to it as well, man. We have access to it. The sentence of judgment that was preserved and passed down through generations, we have it. We have access. We have a Bible. And it's in our language. Praise the Lord for that. So how are we going to remind ourselves? One example that we see here, and it's actually in Deuteronomy, if you jump down to the end of chapter 17, we can see an example of daily reading and writing and how this is going to help us to remember what God says. Verse 18 in Deuteronomy 17 here says, It shall be when thou sittest upon the throne of his kingdom, and by the way, this is talking about the kings of the land and what they are to do, he shall write him a copy of his law in a book out of, what would, out of that which is set before the priests, the Levites, and it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep the, all the, the words of the law and the statues, and to do them. That his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, and that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left. You may have heard that before. To the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. So right there, I mean, the kings were to be writing down what the Lord commanded, these statutes, these commandments, and these things, so that they could read it daily and study it daily and learn to fear the Lord to keep all of these things and to do them. Man, as leaders in the ministry of reconciliation, we need to be doing the same thing, right? We've been given something by the Lord, we are to write it down, to, to know it, to read it, to study it. 
So this year, Life Fellowship's been challenged to go deeper. To go deeper in our faith and our fruit, our fear, our focus, and following. So remember that faith and fruit, you know, these things are, are a byproduct of our obedience to the Word of God, right? Our fear, so when we remember the righteous judgments of the Lord, just like we, we read about there in, in Deuteronomy, when we remember those things and we write them down and study them out, that grows us in our fear of the Lord. Our focus, we just discussed that a couple weeks ago, when we looked at Colossians, the very beginning of chapter 3 there, that we are to set our affection on things above and not on things of the earth. So if we can do that, we'll have the right focus. And then following him, man, when we listen to the direction that God gives us, whatever he says, and we don't turn to the right or to the left and, and veer from what God said, well, then we're following him. And the great thing is, is that we're with him in that, because where God is and where he said this is where it's going to be, that's where you want to be. Where he said, these are my words, that's where you want to be. You want to be in the word of God, because that's where God is, and that's where we can follow him best, right? And that, that promise of Matthew twenty-eight twenty, that ends with saying, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. He's always with us. It doesn't have to be in our strength, it doesn't have to be in our abilities, but we can follow him through, through what the Lord has given us. So guys, I, I know we're running out of time here. Um, I just wanted to, uh, to bring you a reminder of, of being presumptuous, and I, and I pray that, that you got something from this today. I know I did when I studied it out, and I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for God's word and his statutes and his righteousness, and I'm thankful that he is faithful to remind us as well. So I love you guys. Thanks for having me.